too much. <laughs> I'm going to lose some weight this week, right? You go down stairs, I, I eat a nice, healthy, small breakfast, but then I get into the office, somebody brought donuts. Diet is out, right? Gone, man. I've had a donut. I've had two donuts. I've had six donuts. That may or may not have happened, right? But that's what we do, right? But, but we think, okay, yes, I've given it that temptation, but, but what this passage is just saying is it's far worse than that. It's not just you might gain a few pounds or, or you might have a few regrets because you gave into temptation or even that you might have an STD. What this is saying us is that when we give in temptation and sin, we are facing eternal destruction, eternal death. Satan has power over you. Things are far worse than we think. Now, a lot of us think that the devil works like in a, in a horror movie way that he like terrifies people and scares them, right? But I think the, the devil can work like that, but he also works in more subtle ways. Did anybody see the documentary about Temple Grandin? came out um, about a decade ago. It's on Netflix now. But Temple Grandin uh, is a professor of at Colorado State University. Go Rams. Anybody else? If you are online and you're a CSU alum like me, just type Go Rams into the comment section. Okay. Temple Grandin is a professor of animal sciences there at Colorado State University. And because she's autistic, she has been able to understand what animals are going through better than the rest of us. So she started observing uh, cattle and, and cows, and, and she noticed that they are very fearful creatures, that they are afraid of anything that's new. Whatever's novel, whatever's new, whatever they're not used to, they're terrified of it. And she said, like, so, so what will happen is that when cows are for the first time sent to the slaughterhouse, they will see a yellow raincoat on, on someone, and they will be freaked out, and you'll have to use cattle prods, and, and they'll be terrified and, and use force just to get them in there. And she said, but, but if on the other hand, you take those yellow raincoats and you put them on the gates at the feedlot so that every single day these cows see the yellow raincoats again and again and again, when they, by the time they get to the slaughterhouse, it's familiar, it's normal, they won't be terrified, they'll be calm. She even developed a whole system to put them through this, this chute that she designed so that the cows would calmly and contentedly go to get their throats slit. I think that's how Satan works. I think that he gets us so familiar with temptation, that the sin is all around us. It's normalized in our life, and we don't even realize that it's going to be that bad. We think, it can't be that bad. Everybody's doing it. I'm way better than that guy, way better than what she's doing over there. And, and, and he puts these things around us. He, we see sin all around us. We even legalize it, right? <laughs> uh, it's fine, you know. Everybody's drinking that much. You know, everybody watches porn, right? We, we see sex all over the place on TV and movies. It's fine. And we don't even realize that we're slowly sending ourselves to destruction, to the slaughterhouse. Giving into temptation is way worse than you think because our enemy is the devil himself and he has the power of death over us. So that's why I say this passage is going to start out by things are way worse than you think. However, it gets way better than we could ever hope. Because we see <laughs> that, that we fail, we struggle, we don't overcome temptation. We are defeated by temptation, defeated by the devil. We need a hero to go for us, a hero like us who can defeat this temptation. And that's what we're going to see next as we continue our passage. In verse 16. 
Verse 16, we read, For surely it is not angels he helps, again, Jesus, but Abraham's descendants, verse 17, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. This is talking about Jesus. It's saying he didn't come to save angels. He didn't come to help angels. He came to help us. And we are Abraham's descendants. We are the spiritual descendants of our great father of the faith. And for this reason, verse 17, Jesus had to be made like them, like us. He had to be made a human in every way. It says that fully human in every way. I love that this message comes on the heels of Kenton's message last week. If you missed that, that's a great message. Kenton Chan, one of our elders, stepped in uh, to give a message on the fact that Jesus is God. If you've ever had questions about that, you need to watch that message. It's so good. And it just happened to be the one before this where we talk about how Jesus is also fully human. So Jesus is fully God and he's fully human. He's 100% God and he's 100% human. He is not like Hercules that's half God and half man. He's something completely different. If you're like, I don't think that makes sense, Matt. Yes, you're right. It doesn't make sense to our puny brains. And if you're thinking, I I don't know how God could do that. Well, how did God create the entire universe? I don't know. If he could do that, being a God man is pretty simple. Right? So so that's what it's saying here. Jesus is 100% God and he's 100% human. And this is so important. The scriptures tell us that he emptied himself of his Godhood while he was here on the planet. He was still God, but he chose not to use that power. He chose to be a human 100% like us. Meaning he knows what it was like to face temptation and cravings. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He had to deal with annoying people. He had sexual desires. And yet throughout all of this, he never sinned. I mean, Jesus knew what it was like to have a stressful, hard day at work. He he knew what it was like because he was a carpenter, right? He knew what it was like to have people reject him and treat him poorly. He knew what it was like when one of his close friends, Lazarus, died and he wept. Jesus experienced grief. He experienced all the things that we do. 100% human, fully human in every way. He even experienced temptations. Just like we are tempted by things Jesus was tempted. And except he had it worse than we ever would. Because he went into the desert, didn't eat for 40 days, didn't drink for 40 days, and then faced the devil himself. Okay, after like three hours, I'm hangry. I can't imagine 40 days. And I would do anything the devil told me. You know, after, right? If we had to face that. But Jesus faced that. And when the devil offered him everything, offered him power, offered him food, offered him the whole world, Jesus said no. He said no to Satan. When he even tried to twist scripture, that's what he did with Eve at the beginning. Did God really say that? Is it really in the Bible that that's a sin? Jesus quoted scripture right back and he's like, no, no, no. I'm going to be faithful. And he said, no. He said, no. He said, no. He overcame the devil. He defeated Satan when we fail, right? Now that's the hero we need. Even at the worst moment, on the night before, he, he knew he was going to be betrayed, that he would have to suffer physical affliction, emotional affliction. He knew all of this was coming. And, and he said to his friends, stay up and pray with me. I need your help. I need some accountability partners. And they fell asleep. He, he even said to them, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. 
He was overwhelmed, and he cried out to God. It's sometimes called the last temptation of Christ, because he called out to God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. I don't want to have to do this. But with that last temptation, to give up, to, to not fight that battle, he did it. He faithfully endured the cross. And when Jesus did that, when he overcame temptation for it, he did it as one who understood what we go through. See, when Jesus became a human being, fully human in every way, he can now empathize with us. He understands the temptations we're going through. Now, this is so good to hear. We need someone who can empathize with us because we reject anyone who's not like us. Do you, do you remember back to the beginning of the pandemic? Do you remember? This was a long time ago, wasn't it? Do you remember when Madonna from her bathtub in her cavernous, fancy bathroom was like, yeah, you know, this is the great equalizer. We're all in this together, right? When you see celebrities from their gigantic mansions in Malibus, from their pool saying, yeah, we're in the same boat. The single mom who's having to work through the pandemic, two jobs, with three kids, trying to do a school online is thinking, you have no idea. This is not the same boat you're in, right? You can't empathize with me. You don't get it. See, see we realize that when, when someone's so distant and other, they don't get it. That's why Jesus had to become like us. On the other hand, Melissa and I have, have grown in so much respect for single moms. No, seriously, because I, I work on Sundays, right? I'm up here. I have to get here early. I, I'm here to preach. I can't help. And Melissa now has our daughter, McKinley, plus infant twins, and she's trying to get all of them ready to come to church. I, I help her on some Sundays. Last week I wasn't preaching and I helped, and I was like, man, this is hard for two people, right? When I see now a single mom or a mom who doesn't have a husband helping coming to church, when I see a single mom bringing kids in, I'm like, respect. You are amazing. I don't know how you do it. Because I now have some empathy, right? When, when we go through those experiences or, or when we're on this, the same levels, people, we have empathy. And that's what Jesus did for us. He knew for us to respect God and, and understand that, that he cares for us and can help us with temptations, God had to become like us. Emptying himself, lowering himself, becoming fully human in every way, going through even the worst temptations and emotional pain. See, his suffering made him the person that we can connect with. So now Jesus is the perfect hero to go in our place, to fight for us our battle. And that's exactly what he did, and he did it on the cross. He did it on the cross. Let, let's look in, in the second half of verse 16. It says he was fully human in every way that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. See, this word atonement, we don't, aren't really too familiar with anymore, but in the ancient world, there was temple systems. In Judaism, there was a temple, and you would have to go to the temple when you had done something wrong you would have to offer as a sacrifice an atonement to pay for your sins. So you'd kill an animal, you'd slit their throats, their blood would be shed, their body destroyed, in order to make yourself right with God. Atonement at one minute. That's one way to remember it. So this atonement is, this is offered, this sacrifice is offered to, to bring you into a right reconciliation with God. 
And in the ancient world, in Jesus' day, there was a temple there in Jerusalem. And at the temple, there were sacrifices being offered every single day, over and over and over again. It was just unceasing. Another sacrifice, another sacrifice. Because people were always sinning, right? They would even have some special sacrifices that would be offered for people in case they sinned and they didn't even realize it. There were special also the Day of Atonement was a special Day of Atonement where they offered special sacrifices for everybody, including the priests, just in case they were sinful so that they could go into the presence of God and have a reconciled relationship with God. Because of the ongoing nature of our sin, sacrifices had to be offered every single day. Atonement was over and over and over again. And what they would do is that they would find the best, spotless, perfect lamb. And it'd have to be a firstborn lamb that they would offer. So if the lamb was born and had a, you know, a crippled leg or, or some spots or some issues with it, they couldn't sacrifice it. But if it was the perfect spotless lamb or the perfect spotless animal, then they would bring it in for the sacrifice. So in the same way, Jesus was the perfect spotless lamb. He had never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He was perfect and he was the firstborn son of our Father in heaven. But see, when Jesus went on the cross, when his blood was shed, when his body was destroyed, it was the perfect sacrifice once for all. There no longer needed to be any more sacrifices because that one perfect sacrifice who was like us, not an animal of a different species, but now a human being just like us was sacrificed on the cross for us. All the sins of humanity were paid for in full. Once and for all. The perfect atonement. See, when Jesus died on the cross, his atonement provided forgiveness for all who have sinned. For all who have given into temptation, Jesus conquered over sin and death and the devil. See, Jesus on the third day rose from the dead, showing that he has power even over death. Satan has been defeated. He has been conquered, and there is victory through Jesus Christ. So the only way, get this, the only way that you can defeat temptation is by knowing that Jesus already won. The only way to defeat temptation is to know Jesus already won. We've got to know this. We've got to believe it. We've got to understand it and grasp it and, and have it in our hearts. The only way to defeat temptation is to know that Jesus already won. He already conquered over sin and death and de the devil once for all time. We don't need more sacrifices. We don't need to keep feeling guilty because Jesus has conquered over all temptation and sin. He is the hero who won when we failed. I know I... I've referenced the Lord of the Rings a lot in this series. But, but the ending of the Lord of the Rings is so good, and I think a lot of people miss this when they read the books or they see the movies. But Frodo, who's this great hero, the hobbit, who carries the ring, and yes, he is tempted by the ring the whole time, right? Because there's this power that's available. He's, he's tempted by it again and again and again. But what's so fascinating about these stories is that Frodo actually fails, if you watch closely, he fails in his journey, in his quest. He gets to Mount Doom, the only place where they can destroy this, this one ring. And he goes up there, but instead of throwing the ring into Mount Doom, he puts it on his finger. Do you realize that? He gives in to temptation. He fails. And then it's Gollum, who is also tempted in the same way, bites his finger off, gets the ring, is dancing around, and falls into the fire. And the ring is destroyed. Have you guys noticed this? 
Frodo, at the peak, at the climax, the hero who's supposed to overcome temptation, fails. And I don't think that's by chance, because J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote the stories, was himself a Christian. And his great hero fails. And it's only by the divine sovereign power that the quest wins. Isn't that fascinating? I think in the same way, we've got to realize that we all sin. We have all fall short of the glory of God. We all deserve death and punishment and hell. And yet Jesus is the hero who, in our place, conquered over death, conquered over sin, never gave in to temptation and won. The only way to defeat temptation is to know that Jesus already won. So this means we need to look to him. I included uh, verse 1 of chapter 3 in this because I think this is kind of the, the culmination of this section. It says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, that word holy can also be translated as saints, you holy men and women, you saints who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He is our apostle because he was the one sent before us. He is our high priest because he has offered a sacrifice of atonement for us himself. So that's why we are commanded to fix our thoughts on Jesus. See, the more we think about and consider and realize and believe in what Jesus has done for us, then we actually do have the power we need to overcome temptation and sin. This means a few different ways. This means that we can look at what Jesus taught us. And he taught us that if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. So sometimes in our temptations, we need to block ourselves from even going near the temptation right? If you're an alcoholic, don't go to the bar. Don't keep a handle of vodka in the cupboard in case you have a friend that wants a drink. Pour it down the drain. If, if you're tempted into pornography, you get a filter on your Wi-Fi. You get a software like Covenant Eyes to make sure you don't even have access to that thing. If it's that friend who's texting you at 1.30 at night uh, in the morning and you know it's not going to be for anything good, they're not checking on you, okay, you need to block that person if it's that so-called friend who's always leading you into sin, you need to not spend time with that person. Okay, we need to cut off ourselves from sin. Beth Moore, Beth Moore said, um, if we, we have that quote, some things don't need to be cut back, they need to be cut off. Right? Sometimes we just need to cut ourselves, because that's what Jesus taught us. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus, and if Jesus taught us to avoid it before we even get near the temptation, we've got to do the same thing. But it's also by looking at his example. If Jesus was in the desert with Satan three times and he said no, he said no firmly, we need to do the same thing. So when temptation does come, because it will, we need to have the power to say no and know that we can conquer because Jesus did. His example shows us we can defeat the devil in his power. We can say no. It commands us in Scripture to flee from sin, flee from sexual immorality. That when we're in those moments and our mind is cloudy, we're not thinking straight, run out of there. Say no. But even greater, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we realize that when we do give in to temptation and sin, He is there to forgive us. See, there's this thing called the guilt cycle. I don't know if you've heard of it. Psychologists call it this. Is that when you give in to temptation and you do something wrong, you start feeling guilty and awful. So what do you do to feel better? You give in to the temptation again. And it's this cycle that creates habits, bad habits addictions but see if jesus died on the cross once for all if he shed his blood for the sins of all humanity once for all time 
then the moment we have sinned, there is forgiveness available for us. In the moment where we're just wracked with guilt and shame, there's forgiveness for us, that there's grace. So instead of being driven into that guilt cycle, we need to be driven into the grace cycle <laughs> again and again because we know that we have a merciful and faithful high priest who understands what we're going through and loves us anyway. See, in that moment of guilt, some of you are there right now, in that moment that you feel awful about yourself, God loves you. He cares about you. He says, you are my child. I love you. You are forgiven. Accept my grace and mercy. And if we do that, we can escape that cycle of guilt and sin. We can find grace in the arms of our Father. So I hope that we will learn to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because we will give in to temptation. We will sin. But we can learn to, to defeat temptation at the source, to cut it off. We can learn to fight in the moment and run and say no. And we can also find grace again and again when we sin again and again to get back up and keep fighting. I, I, think, I think I have one more quote, Mari. What coward would not fight when he is sure of victory? You like that? None is here overcome but he who will not fight. We know we've already won. So let's get up and fight some more. The only way to defeat temptation is to know that Jesus already won. Would you please stand right now? We are going to cry out to Jesus together. I know that we need to do this. We're going to cry out to Jesus as Chase leads us in this song. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. Oh God, how I 
it's really fascinating. I told you about Odysseus who lashes himself to the mast and puts wax in his ears to avoid the temptation of the sirens. It's really interesting. There's also another ancient story of a quest. We know it as Jason of the Argonauts. And they face the same temptation. They go near the island. But instead of putting wax in their ears, they get this guy named Orpheus and he takes out his lyre and he plays a song louder and more beautiful than the song of the sirens. And therefore they can pass through that temptation. See, I think sometimes we just need a better song. That we need something that we can fix our eyes on. And that is Jesus. We can think about him and realize that he is greater. His song is way greater than the temptation of the world. So that's why we're crying out this song, Lord, I need you. And I know there are some people right now who feel guilt and shame right now. You struggled this week, this morning. You're listening to this right after you gave in to temptation. And I'm telling you, there is grace for you. There is mercy. Cry out to Jesus, whose victory is greater than your defeat. And he conquered over your sin on the cross. So let's cry out to him. Let me just pray for you right now. Uh, Lord God, I'm praying specifically for the person who's, who's struggling with guilt and shame right now and their, their sin that they've given to temptation maybe too many times. Lord God, I pray that you'd give them courage again, faith again to believe that they can change, that in your power you can help them overcome and defeat this temptation because Jesus already won. May that victory be theirs today and every day from here on out. And if you're listening to my voice and, and you believe in you're, you're, you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet. If that's you and you need Jesus to fight for you, I want to give you an opportunity to repeat a prayer after me to make Jesus your Lord and Savior because then your sins are forgiven once for all and that eternal death is gone forever and you will spend eternal life with Jesus, with all God's people for eternity in heaven. So please repeat this prayer after me and, and if you're already a believer, say this prayer too to give courage to the person who's going to pray it for the first time. Dear God, Thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Forgive me. Save me. I declare that Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you and serve you till I reach the goal. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer for the first time, go to risedenver.com slash follow. We'd love to hear about your new journey. Lord God, we cry out to you, all of us, with one voice, that we need you. Lord, I need you. Now, in our sin, in our guilt, forgive us again. Give us your grace and help us to fight again from a place of victory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week.
spread the good news that we have, but come back next week. We love you guys so much. Thank you for coming.